Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, free cash flow examples. Before we do that, let's have a look at the numbers on the street. And I will go until about 1.05, and then you'll have your chance to take the quiz. Just stay frosty. If you've got Excel, by all means, use Excel like a boss for this. Uh, and, and of course, your calculator. Well, for some of the other questions as well. And uh, what was I thinking? Oh, for the weekend, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up a PowerPoint presentation on free cash flow analysis just so you can see uh, a couple of different examples. And I mentioned them in class. These were variations on actual companies that were doing relatively short-term projects. And you'll find them, just walk through them. And I, on the final exam, I'm not going to be as, as deeply complex as they can get in those. Uh, and also, they walk through it very slowly in that PowerPoint. And I've been using this. It's a modification of one that's been around for a long time. And this is the one I use for my crash courses in financial analysis for uh, people at delegations of Ministry of Finance officials from other countries. So it's, it's very practical. And it's one of those things where you can put it into an Excel spreadsheet and see how it works. Uh, doing the projections of future free cash flows and all that. But I'll talk more about that here in a minute. But first, a look at the numbers. As you can see, it's another one of those just kind of quiet days on the street. The Dow is down the most right now, and the S&P is down a little tiny bit, and the NASDAQ is up a little tiny bit. You notice that they've all been climbing through the day. Uh, and the investor sentiment started out, it was yesterday, it was just such a crabby mood, and it started out the day in a bad mood. The opening bell, you can see they were all down pretty, uh, pretty good at the opening bell, but ever since then, the bulls have been quietly taking charge and moving all of these up a little bit. So it's one of those things where it, it's, it's hard to tell what the market sentiment is now. As you can see, right now, as far as volume on the S&P 500, it's still really weak volume uh, compared to the average over the last year, daily average over the last year. So there's still an awful lot of, con of, uh, of con uh, conservative, let's stay off the playing field for the time being, because we still don't know where the economy is going. And, but as you can see, oil took its drop and it's now finding its way back into that 72.79 band. As I told you that it would, they talk about those OPEC oil uh, production cuts, well, that's going to drive the price of oil up. Now, there are other fun more fundamental factors that are going to drive it. And so it's coming back down again, uh, as I said it would. Now, coming over here, getting this out of the way. Gold 
is trying to stay above two thousand dollars an ounce and it and the gold bulls pulled it up a little bit it had dropped down below that neckline earlier today and they pulled it back up but they can't even get it back to where it began the day so that's i'm not worried about gold right now but if you look over here at the 10-year bonds the yield is up so the price is down the price is down means that there was selling going on well where did those funds go well, they certainly didn't go into gold, but they didn't go into stocks. Uh, looks, it looks to me like actually some of that selling in the bond market, see it right here? The yield was up, so the price was down. So uh, the yield was up, price down, that means selling is going on. It looks like a little bit of that selling kind of moved back toward the equities. So if you are a predicting kind of person, you might want to say, well, there was more. There was a sour mood at the beginning of the week, late last week, and now it's kind of coming back from that, but cautiously. So, in other words, some of the money that's coming out of bond sales, uh, people selling investors selling bonds, looks like it might be trickling back into the equities. See how the equities are beginning to recover a little bit. So it's hard to call though, but. If I were a betting kind of person, which unfortunately I am, as you can see from my positions here, you, I would say that we're going to come back to uh, a, a few bull days, as you can see. And for God's sake, don't invest in things I invest in. I'm investing in American Airlines, Citigroup, Ford, and this thing down here, PSIL. It's a, real, it's a penny stock, it's an ETF, of companies that are have federal license to do research on psycho, uh, psychedelic drugs for uh, treating people with psychiatric disorders. It's a long, long bet I just threw into it. And of course, I have to buy some Doge uh, just so I can be pissed off about it. But American Airlines in, uh, is, uh, and Ford are doing earnings calls in the next couple of weeks. So I buy on the rumor, and these are options. These are bets on the underlying, these are uh, risky bets. But so I'm buying on the rumor that they're going to have favorable earnings reports, and then I'll get the hell out of the way before the earnings are actually announced. Remember, buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Rumors are that AAL will have a strong earnings report, Ford may have one. Citigroup is coming up, and the banks are looking pretty good as far as their earnings go right now. But who knows where it's going to go from here. But always remember, know how to read stock screens, because I will ask that on the final exam for you to do what I did on the midterm exam, just to show me that you've got that basic sort of like survival skill in the modern world as professionals with money to invest. Looking over here, what the hell, oh. Euro was depreciating against the dollar, but then it recovered and it's just kind of bouncing around now. Interestingly, it was depreciating against the, uh, the dollar was depreciating against, uh, I'm sorry, the pound was depreciating against the dollar, 
but in the last couple of hours, it's recovered. There's not a lot of overall movement because essentially these are the big one that's driving these right now, these currency exchange rates, is the interest rate differentials between countries. If the U.S. has interest rates that are going up relative to the interest rates in Europe, that will make the dollar appreciate and the euro depreciate. But on the other hand, if interest rates in the United States are not going up as fast as interest rates in Europe, then the euro will appreciate against the dollar. So since the Fed is more or less kind of backing off, jacking up interest rates to fight inflation, that means that there's more room for the European interest rates to go up relative to the dollar, and that means that the dollar will depreciate against the euro. The euro will appreciate against the dollar. If you can remember that. Anyway, enough of that here. Yeah, and the yen. The yen is actually, oh, that's opposite, okay. Anyway, London, you notice that there was that same kind of pattern there that the bearish sentiment, well, it started in Tokyo. The bearish sentiment began to ease back. You see how it was rising there? It never did make it back to the beginning, but it was easing off and the bulls were beginning to show their snouts. And the same was happening later in London. First, they came off crabby and then the bulls began to start buying in and moving it back up toward the positive territory. So it looks like if I were to make a guess, as I said, make an educated guess, tomorrow should be the bulls, <clears throat> unless we get some bad news overnight, the bulls should get more confidence by tomorrow. And so we should see the markets up a little bit. And you know how to check it now. So you can see if the finance that I do and the way I use finance is actually working. But enough of that. Now, I'm going to do what I did yesterday, and I'm going to do it again today. And I want you to have your Excel out, and we'll just do one more company. And the good thing about this is that this accomplishes the goal. If you see this being done and you're doing it yourself, that makes it a lot easier. And on the final exam, I promise you it would be very similar to what I'm doing here. Just the very same thing. Show me that you know how to calculate a free cash flow. That way you are not a prisoner of net profit for determining the health of a company. So we're going to go over here to sec.gov as we do because they are authoritative. Filings, go down to company filing search under the filings drop down. And now we're going to type in a trading symbol. And I'm hesitant to do this. Matter of fact, I'm probably stupid. Well, okay, I'm going to do Tesla. Tesla has recovered free cash flow this year, I believe in its last report, its free cash flow had recovered, but I'm not absolutely sure about that. And as I've told you before, a lot of times I do something for the first time myself, so I don't look like I, it's so easy. Okay, so Tesla, the 10K came out in January, so it's fairly fresh. 
So you click on the 10K line in the right sidebar, and then you click on the little box filing. You are taken to a screen, and over on the left side, right about in the middle, it says interactive data. You click on that blue button, interactive data. And then it's almost not obvious up there, print document, view Excel document, click. And then it'll download, you double click on it. And we are up in Excel. No, don't update now for God's sake. Enable editing. Now remember the way I told you to do this. Shape your environment. This has got dozens and dozens of tabs. The ones we will want are the balance sheet that's right there. And then we'll look over here, statement of operations. That's your income statement. Scoot that over right next to the balance sheet so that those two are together. And then we're going to search for the statement of cash flows. And there it is. And we grab that, hold the mouse down, and we drag that over so that it sits there with right beside the statement of operations. So you've got them all in the same place so that you can switch, uh, do your uh, formulas by references more quickly. Okay, so then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to put in a little sheet right here between the consolidated balance sheets and the consolidated statement of operations. We're going to click right between them and we're going to insert a worksheet. And there he is, right there. And I'm going to make it a, whoops, I'm going to make it a little bit bigger here just visually for everyone to be able to see it. Okay, we're going to give this the name free cash flow. And this is our worksheet for doing everything so we don't mess with the original sheets. I've mentioned that to you before. For God's sake, when you go into a work environment, almost all of you will do have Excel. If you're working with a sheet that is part of the company's inventory of worksheets, don't mess with, this, with the sheets that are already there. Make your own sheet so that everything you do is on its own and it's not interfering with the company's precious data and all of that. Now, cranking it out here, we're going to work it out. Remember that for the free cash flow, the first, th well, we're going to need... Um, uh, the uh, EBIT, EGIT, EBIT, and then the next thing we'll need, and I'll probably put the tax rate over here someplace, like E1, I'll type tax rate, and I'll put that in there as 21%. Now, when that will change is anybody's guess, but this way the sheet will stay usable if tax rates change later. Oh, I forgot to put in here, 2022 in B1 and 2021 in B in C1. That way we got two years of, uh, we'll be able to call two years there. Now going back over here, in A2 was EBIT, and then, uh, after, uh, then after taxes, I should put 
after taxes. Uh, right. So I can do that as one line there. And then the next one we're going to want, we're going to have to add back in depreciation expense. And that will buy us our NOPAT. Try that again. Crank another one out. What was next? Capital expenditures. And we remember that that's going to be negative in their book, so we have to use an absolute value. Try that one more time. Capital expenditures. And then we want our net operating working capital, NOWC, for, the t for each year. And then from that, we can get the change in net operating working capital. I'm not going to call it a symbol because that messes up the font for some reason. And then free cash flow. Now we double click on that so we got room to play here. And we'll also do a few other things here too. We'll want these in dollars. So what I'll do here is I want to show you the normal way. If you click on that, you get accounting dollar symbols. They're flush to the left. So what I usually do is I want more of the financial ones, so that's format the cells. And then I want currency, zero decimal places. And that way I don't have to worry about that anymore. After this, next week, I'm going to show you another way. Yeah. I go highlight those cells that I want to be in dollars. Then I right-click anywhere in the shaded region, format the cells, and then on the numbers tab, which is the first one, it should come up. I want currency, and I want zero decimal places. Now you can do it with the, uh, this will do it in negative, this will do it with red numbers, and this will do parentheses, these two. It's up to you how you want to do that. Okay, here we go. Now, EBIT after taxes equals. Now, earnings EBIT is going to be in this consolidated statement of operations, and that is income from operations. That line right there. You, uh, this is, drives me crazy because it, it's different. Let me expand that a little bit. I can't do that. So I'll just do income from operations. And they call this, they might call it, okay. Now depreciation expense. Whoops, I forgot to do the times one minus times one minus the tax rate. Now I'm going to hit F4 to make that an absolute reference so that it doesn't change with if I move it over to the 2021. Okay, so now the depreciation expense. 
That will equal, we get that off the statement of cash flows. Oh, I got the wrong one, didn't I? Where the hell is the statement of cash flows? Where is the statement of cash flow? You gotta keep going down. Are you kidding me? Musk hates me. Conduct statement of operations. Get off. Where's the consolidated statement of operations? I'm the statement of cash flows, rather. There it is, clear over there. Okay, we're just gonna move that damn thing over here, get it where it's supposed to be. God, come on. There. I apologize for that. I just grabbed it, not realizing it was. They can be in any order. That's one of the things that drives you crazy. I wish the SEC would say they have to be in this certain order. Okay, anyway, go back over here, free cash flow. So it's equal. Now we go over to the consolidated statement of cash flows. There it is. Okay. Depreciation expense, depreciation amortization, and, and impairment. There it was. Now the capital expenditures, that one is in the statement of cash flows as well. And remember that this one is already going to be a negative. So you go down here, cash from investing activities, and you get the Total line, where the hell? Net cash used in investing activities. Now what I'm gonna do is I've got to, I have to make that an absolute reference. So let me type ABS, open parenthesis, and then we reference this line right here. Oh shut up. Let me delete this. Try that again. Equals absolute value, open parenthesis, and then go over here to the statement of cash flows. And in the statement of cash flows, that is B33, net cash used in investing activities. Close parenthesis. There we go. Now, net operating working capital. That would be current assets minus current liabilities. So that equals, go to the balance sheet, current assets, total current assets, minus total current liabilities. Did I get that one right? I should have made these sheets bigger. Okay. There we go. And now we're going to sweep these over. Because the next one is a change. Now the change in net operating working capital is the current period's net operating working capital minus the previous period's net operating working capital. That's a positive number, so that means that it actually their net operating working capital drained cash flow. 
If net operating change, if the change, write this down somewhere. If the change is positive, that's a drain on, or on cash flow. If it's negative, it is a source of free cash flow. Again, if the change in net operating working capital is a positive, that means that cash was drained. If it's a negative, that means that free cash was increased. Now, remember what I showed you here. What I do is with that line uh, B6, I highlight B6 and C6 together, and I right click, format the cells, and I go to alignment, horizontal, center across the selection. Again, highlight B6 and C6, then click, right click, and hit format cells, and under alignment, the horizontal, I choose center across the selection. And that puts it in the middle, so that you know this number is associated with both of these numbers. And now, for the 1800 pound kahuna. Free cash flow equals EBIT after taxes plus depreciation expense minus your capital expenditures minus your change in net operating working capital. So let's see if they've got a positive or negative free cash flow. Oh, hello kitty. Negative $4.25 billion. There's your damned investment right there. If any of you are familiar with Monty Python, I'm sure that Musk and his crowd are screaming, it's just a flesh wound. Can you show the equation again? Sure can. As a matter of fact, I'll even do it again. I want to see this. I, I want to make sure I didn't make a mistake. Equals the after taxes, EBIT, EBIT after taxes. Add back your depreciation expense. Then subtract your capital expenditures. And then subtract your net operating working capital, which is that B6 line. Good grief. $4.25 billion in the hole. They have to, that has to be made up. It can't just sit there because that was the money that paid bills up above. I mean, my, my credit union bitches at me because I'm overdraft $25. So you understand why when I give these kinds of assessments, like about Tesla, if it's a good company, it's a good company. This is not good. So there you go. Okay, you got it? Good. And I keep that sheet because, I mean, on your final exam, you could just punch the numbers into this and you got it done. 
without having to think too much about it. And I will use a real company too, I always do, so that you know this isn't idle speculation. Okay, now you've got a test to take, a quiz to take, so crank on, get, get it done. As far as I'm concerned, once you get that quiz done, that's all I have for you today. I thank you.